following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. So we're uh, focusing on Dwell, uh, the theme for the year, uh, which uh, I have the privilege uh, to be uh, able to share what the Lord is bringing to me each month when I've had this opportunity. And um, just thankful, grateful to be uh, able to do it, to dig in even further and to to really understand what the Lord is, is after. Uh, and that's what Dwell really means to me. And we're going to talk about that today because David, in his in his psalm that was the the point of the message this month, was that's what it was all about. It was dwell, and it was it was so clear, and it's such a great model for us. Uh, the message is titled "Why Wait." You'll see why I, that came to me uh, a couple of different reasons. Uh, but before I do that, I do want to pray. Uh, let's go before the Lord. If you would please bow our, our heads and our hearts before the Lord. <sighs> Heavenly Father, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Glory, glory, glory to you, God. Come before you this morning. Thankful for who you are. For you are our God. You are the expression of love and grace and mercy. We bless you, Lord. Thank you. Lord Jesus, our King. Glory to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for what you've done and what you continue to do. Holy Spirit, meet us here. We know you're in this place. Mend the hearts. Bring us forward that we would be bold and willing to live out loud for you and for your glory, God. May this teaching be strictly a representation of you, God. I am humbled and weakened by the idea that I would be giving your word the message. Strengthen me this morning, Lord. Be be with each person in this room, their families, and those who aren't. Cover them, guide them, and lead them. Prepare them. Provide them with healing and comfort, Lord, as you see fit. Strengthen them, give them peace, freedom from all anxiety, answers to prayer. For those that we've prayed for specifically, Fred and Jerry and Michael, Miss Esther, Miss Bev, and all those who we didn't name, but you know their names. We bring them before you as well, God. Holy Spirit, move in this place. We just praise you for what you are, who you are, what you're doing. And as we move into this Christmas season that we continue to remember, it's all about Jesus. May we have our eyes focused on him and dwelling in your word forever. It's in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray, amen. All right. So if you'd be so kind, uh, Psalm 61, verses 1 through 8 is our our verses uh, for this month. And uh, if you'd be so kind as we read the word, if you would stand in honor and reverence, I would appreciate that, if you're able. Psalm 61, verses 1 through 8. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. 
Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Selah. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. This is God's word. Now our focus verse for the month, our memory verse for the month was, maybe seated, sorry. <laughs> Stand there. I did that at a wedding once. <laughs> it just kept standing. Um, verse 4 says, uh, let me dwell in your tent forever let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings Um, so we're at the end of the dwell theme this year in November, December we're getting close we're going to introduce the new theme next month for the year Um, but I just want to encourage you I want to be an encouragement today Uh, that's not the end Right? We talked about it this morning. Uh, all of these themes are building blocks. Right? It's like math, only better. Okay, um, Your dwell time, wherever it is, continue. Continue to seek that time with the Lord. It's not over at, on December 31st. God is not going anywhere, just in case you were concerned. He'll be right there for you to dwell, to dig in. He's waiting. So as we are approaching this year, and after this weekend, I don't know how many of you feel a little tired. I did get that response from a few people this morning. I am in that same department, worn out maybe. Um, some of you dealing with your health issues. Maybe even a little bit overwhelmed. Seem to be a little edgier. Bothered uh, about some things that maybe are small. Drama in your family, maybe. Politics, enough of that. Out of balance. Out of sync. Maybe that's you. Um, Whatever the stress may be, whatever your circumstances are. um, Something that's lingering that just won't go away, whatever it is. The list goes on. But remember, there's nothing new under the sun. You're not the only one. This community is a community of believers who all have different parts of the body that they represent. They all have individual problems. And and, and as my brother always says, they're not problems, they're opportunities. What makes the difference in all those circumstances? Jesus. Who brings us peace through those circumstances? Jesus. Right? We can say amen to that. So as believers, we should be the most joyful at this time of year. Should. Um, We know that Thanksgiving is about more than family and food and football. Um, That we should look at every single day as Thanksgiving Day. Now we know that there were the pilgrims and, and, and the Native Americans and they got together and that was a tremendous momentous occasion it's worth celebrating obviously but as believers it's bigger than that we know our founding fathers and before them many of those people who came here pilgrims, puritans were coming for religious reasons to honor their God our God So every day is a new day. It's worthy of great thanks. Blessings that we can't possibly count. So let's take that with us this week. As we go into December this week, we start looking ahead, we celebrate Christ's coming. Let's give thanks. Many of you know who Denzel Washington is, uh, whether you love him or hate him as an actor. That's not the point. He's prominent, and he had a famous quote that I thought was pertinent 
And he said, uh, give thanks for every day, every single day. Embrace gratitude, encourage others. It's impossible to be grateful and hateful at the same time. I pray that you put your slippers way under your bed at night so that when you wake in the morning, you have to start on your knees to find them. And while you're down there, say thank you. He also said a bad attitude is like a flat tire. Until you change it, you're not going anywhere. This is the time of year all about greatest blessing the world's ever known. That's Jesus, the birth of Christ. It's not about sales, the cooler weather, or lack thereof, wish lists. It's about the creator of the universe demonstrating his amazing, everlasting love for his creation, you and me. By sending his one and only son, one and only son, to save us, to heal us from eternal sickness. To model for us the love of God in such a tangible and perfect way. So much to be thankful for. Let us be our heartbeat this month going forward. Now we are, hopefully that's an encouragement for you. Uh, we, we focus on dwell. Um, and uh, it's so good because there's so much in Scripture that points to that very thing, this you know, the definition of residing, staying, remaining, abiding, to live in a specified place, to tarry. And I just love this one, to linger in expectation. I've said it before. As we wait for God's direction. So at this time of year, many of us desire to hear from God. Well, I have good news. This is not new, but uh, this was a quote from a pastor by the name of Justin Peters. And he said, uh, let me give you a guarantee. We all like guarantees. If you want to hear from God, if you want to hear God speak to you, read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak to you audibly, read it out loud. This is the essence of the dwell theme. Okay, it's in here. Yes, there's some amazing preachers and teachers. We have one right here. But he'd be the first one to tell you, don't follow me. Follow Christ. Follow the Word. So we need to be patient because our timing is not God's timing. His answers don't come when we want them to, but they come in His perfect timing. Now we uh, are going to look at an example here of of, of, uh, of patience in, in David. Uh, we don't talk about David and patience. I don't think so. You know, talk about Job and you know Noah, of course. Um, Moses certainly was patient. Sometimes not so much. But not a whole lot of messages that I've heard about David and his patience. But that's why the term, why well, the title, why wait, came to me. Because God's ways are not our ways. His timing is very different. The Bible is filled with examples where people didn't wait. And they moved ahead despite God's direction. Clear direction. And almost every time things ended up poorly. Moses is one of those examples. The people of Israel time and again. Peter. Other apostles. Even Abraham. That's why. Because the Lord knows what's best for us. And once we realize our joy in any season of life comes from God alone, that he's worthy to be trusted because he loves us, why would we wait any further in going to him with every single need? Why would we wait to tell the world about the hope of heaven that Jesus brings? Why would we wait to share that message? So that's the title. You praise God for the opportunity. Psalm 61 is many attributed to King David. We do believe that. Uh, timing of this is, a, is somewhat unclear, but many believe that he was on the run from his own son when he wrote this psalm. This is actually a song. David is a very musical guy. Um, 
Many of the scriptures, including the ESV, the title is uh, uh, Psalm 61 is Lead Me to the Rock. Uh, there's been some really good music, gospel songs, etc. with that title or something similar. But his son wasn't a really good character. His name was Absalom, and his he was essentially exiled for avenging the rape of his sister. And then when he was forgiven and given grace to come back into the fold, he conspired for years against his own father, the king. And eventually met his untimely demise. You can go to 2 Samuel 13 for all of the details on that. But this is the background, the context of this this chapter. So the title is Lead Me to the Rock of the Psalm 61. It's not Lead Me to Happiness. It doesn't say that. At our leadership retreat a few weeks ago, uh, Pastor uh, guided us in, in finding the psalm that was our heartbeat at this moment in our life, or in, the, in our season. Mine was uh, Psalm 73, uh, the latter part of it, talking about just the goodness of God, the greatness of God. And I was, I'll be honest, I was kind of joking around a little bit and uh, can't help myself, but I said that uh, my favorite was Psalm 151, which if you know, there's no such thing. And I said that the uh, the title of it was "Don't Worry, Be Happy," and I went on the rendition of Bobby McFerrin's song, and I sang it in my best reggae accent. But that's not the answer, is it? It's not about happiness. God isn't about our happiness; it's about our holiness. It's our character, and when we find joy in that, so we leave. Thanksgiving Day in our rearview mirror. We look ahead to Christmas, but it's not about finding happiness, despite Mr. McFerrin's message. Too much of our season is spent on trying to be happy. And there's a story of a, of a black crow, and you may have heard it. And the black crow was trying to find the secret to happiness. And he saw this beautiful white swan in this lake, and he came upon the swan, and he said, you must be the happiest bird. You're so beautiful. And the swan said, yeah, I was very happy. Until I saw a parrot. And the parrot had multiple colors. And so then I realized I wanted to be like the parrot. And the crow thought that was interesting and flew off and found a parrot in a tree and said, wow, you must be the happiest bird alive because you have multiple colors. And the parrot said, yeah, I was. I was very happy. Until I flew by the zoo and I saw the peacock. And the peacock was sprouting its feathers and was just glorious color everywhere. And he said, I want to be like the peacock. And the crow flew to the zoo and he came down upon the the peacock and he said, you must be the happiest bird on the planet with all those colors. And the peacock said, yeah, I used to think I was the happiest. But because of my colors, I'm in the zoo. I just want to be like the crow who gets to fly around free anywhere he wants to go. And so the moral of that story isn't about the colors or the birds, God's creation. It's about us always wanting something else to make us happy. It's always in a world of comparison and social media and those sorts of things. It takes our eyes off the prize of Jesus. And that's what dwell time is about. Colin and I spoke about this this week. It's not academic Okay, yes, we want to study God's word, but it's not meant to be a class where we come in and we pass fail. It's to meditate. It's to know him as he, Jesus, shows us the Father. It's deep relationship. 
We see this throughout Scripture. And this verse, this chapter, absolutely illuminates that. We see it elsewhere with Paul, who's in prison. Time and again, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. And what's he talking about? He's not talking about happiness. He's talking about joy. He's in prison. He's been beaten. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We know all of the big parts of that verse, but you know what stands out to me? The Lord is at hand. He's with us. Rejoice in hope. This is Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. We're talking about joy in the journey. Joy with the Lord. All great reminders. Time and again. We need those reminders. It's not about happiness. Did you know there's actually a class you can take on college in college called the Science of Happiness? Did you know that? It's true. But you know what's funny is they talk about gratitude uh, towards people. Thinking, you know, encouraging proactive thanking to those who treat us well and who help and serve us. It's good, right? Sure. But when it comes to the gratitude that most people feel about life, family, beauty, experiences, there's no one to thank in their case. We know the answer. They might thank the universe, right? Moral relativism is becoming such a prevalent theme in our culture. My truth, not the truth. We know that the thanking is to God. The happiness is not the point. It's the joy in knowing Him. The grace and thanksgiving that was given to us, that we have and give back to others, is connected to the joy in our journey with Jesus. And there's some verses that speak to that. Psalm 106, verse 1, Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Isn't that what it's about? It's about His love for us, for His creation. He wants us to know that. And a famous popular verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18, but never gets old, is rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. Rejoice always. It's not about your circumstances. And what would it mean for you to live that out practically this month, no matter what you're going through? Some of you, that's a challenge. It's a challenge for me. So I bring that forward because what David was, a, was dealing with was circumstances that were challenging. And you know where he went? To the Lord. He went to dwell in him. So let's look at it. I don't see my wife doing this yet, but... It was probably coming. Verse number one says, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. Now we know David as being a man after God's own heart, don't we? We also know that he was the teenager who took down the nine foot giant Goliath. We also know that he had some failures in his life, to say the least adultery and essentially murder. And this moment here, he's coming before, before the Lord because he's, he's seeking refuge. He's seeking strength. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. He starts with no presumptions. He is actively asking God to hear his prayer. Is that us? Is that you? Is that me? Do we, is that how we approach God? 
Wherever you may physically be, do you come to the Lord with humility and a sense of reverence and awe, as David is reflecting here? He is our Heavenly Father, but He is the Creator of all life. What a beautiful mix. What a picture. We know the next breath is not guaranteed. Praise God. We'll talk more about breathing in a little bit. But let us always remember in whose presence we are coming into when we pray, no matter where. As Colin says, these are opportunities that we might have challenges, not bad things necessarily. But sooner or later, we're going to have moments when we cry out, as David's doing here. We're going to feel like we don't have a place to turn, a direction to go in, but God, exclamation point. We have a gracious, loving, merciful, all-powerful God, and He is listening. Is that not an encouragement? He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what you're up to. He knows your mind. He knows your heart. You are his child. He has great plans for you. And no matter what, he loves you anyway. So he's worthy of our trust. Come to him. This is the message. David is coming to him. He's doing that exact thing. He's under attack or he's being chased at the very least. Verse 2. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The King James Version says, when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The reverence, the awe that you can clearly see from David there. Where do we turn? Sadly, first in line, we turn to other things. We talk to other people. Some people go on social media, turn to vices. We make poor decisions. The Bible is filled with these examples. People who are even close to God or followers of God, and David's no different. But the results are disastrous when they don't come to him first. Why do you think David is coming to the Lord? Because that's where he finds joy. That's where his joy is. That's where his true sense of connection comes from. He prayed, lead me to the rock. Not some little pebble either, right? What's your visual when you think of that, when he says, lead me to the rock? Strong, sturdy, foundational. Go to the Lord. That's what David is doing. Stop making excuses as to why you can't. Stop hiding. Go. Too often we think, we talked about this this morning, that we're God. Small g. We want to take care of the little things. Come to God with the big things. The message is, you're not God. It's clear that David, even as a lofty king, an accomplished king, is recognizing that being king is not enough. All that comes with that title is not sufficient. He needs the power of God to see him through. And isn't that our culture? What's your title? Who are you? What do you do? Right? Our first response is related to our occupation. I had a secretary way back in the old days when I worked in the hotel industry. She was quite a pistol, that lady. Victoria, burned right here. She said... I had this card that had so many words on it. I can't even tell you what it said. My title. And she goes, titles mean nothing. It's about what you do. Now, there's obviously some 
parable or metaphor or something that you can grasp from that. But David recognized that his title meant nothing. It was simply as a child of God that he needs to come. What a message for us. Our rock that is higher than I, Jesus. There's other references to the rock and the foundation in Scripture. There's so many. I grabbed a couple. Matthew 7. This is popular. It's famous. Don't miss the message here. It's not about literally building your house on the rock. It's about building your house, your life on the rock. Everyone then who hears the words of mine, this is Jesus, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came, the wind blew and beat on the house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. We've seen scripture point to individuals who try to do things themselves. Didn't trust in the Lord. They said a lot of things. And this is an issue for me. Because I tell you what I believe. But what does my life look like? That is what really reflects what you truly believe. How you live. How you dwell. How you chase after God. Our rock. In verse 3, David has a good memory. He remembers all that God has done for him in the past. God has been the foundation, the rock, the higher power that David needed. He understands this as Jesus did. A couple months ago, I shared a message from John 17. And the verse of the message that that stood out was as Jesus praying for all believers. This is right hours before he's going to be captured and tortured. He's leaning into the power of God for himself, for his disciples, and all believers, you and me. For unity. Here's our Lord and Savior leaning in. What a great model. We see David, like others, calling out to God, knowing that he's the answer for every need, the firm foundation. We know that Moses, in different points throughout Scripture, made it very clear that he was only going to go where God went. That's all he wanted to do. Deuteronomy 32, called the Song of Moses. There's, Go back there and read the whole chapter it's worth it verses 3 and 4 he said for I will proclaim the name of the Lord ascribe greatness to our God the rock his work is perfect for all his ways are justice a God of faithfulness and without iniquity just and upright is he Paul wrote and explained about the rock Jesus being the rock 1 Corinthians 10 Verses 1 through 4. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. See the connection from Moses all the way to beyond the time that Jesus was on this planet. He is our rock. He is our foundation. He is worthy. In our culture of, like I said, of uh, moral relativism, people don't, they don't want to believe the Bible is true. It's the truth whether they believe it or not, right? 
God's reality is in the Bible. That's it. It's his word. It's not my truth. It's not our truth. It's his truth. There's no other truth. The rock is the truth. Jesus is our rock. And worthy of us to trust and find our shelter and our protection, our security. David speaks of abiding there and trusting in God as his rock in verse 4, which we're going to get to. I have a question. What would change in your life if every challenge, big or small, as what you perceive big or small, moved you to seek the Lord first? And what if you sought the power of the Holy Spirit and not your own strength to address every challenge and opportunity? And maybe I'm asking myself that question. And maybe you're in a good place. And uh, one thing I talk about all the time is blind spots. Let us never be so complacent and feel that we've got it figured out. But where do we go first? Well, Jesus was very clear in Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all things will be added to you. Now, the context there, obviously, was people worrying and being concerned. But isn't that why we try to take control? We think we have it figured out. Well, we can can fix it. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. But it said, seek first the kingdom. It didn't say, wait, and God will come to you, and he'll, he'll bring you where he wants you to go. What is dwell? Dwell is our time to go to him. We come to him, not the other way around. We have to be ready and willing and prepared to come to him, to leave it all there, to repent. He's waiting with open arms, praise God. Now we look at our memory verse 4. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Now in the NIV it says, I long to dwell. We had a great conversation about this this morning in the sense that what does it mean to long for something? Sadly, I have a a Seinfeld rerun bursting through my head and Kramer saying, do you ever yearn for anything? And George says, I like the daily news. Like that's it. His purpose in life is to get up and read the newspaper. But do we long for things? Do we long for God? Do we, do we truly desire to meet with Him on a relational level? That's what He's asked. That's what we're asking. David is saying, let me dwell in your tent forever, your tabernacle, your place, your security. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. And what's his mindset? Why, why, why would, would this matter? Well, consider his context. What's he going through? He's got some stuff going on. He's being, he's being chased. But he's sincerely, sincerely de- de- desiring to be in the presence and the proximity with God. Despite that. Dwell. Reside. That's all he wants to do. Is that our posture? Now we see in John chapter 1, another example of the followers of Christ, who at the time of this scripture, they're actually, the way it's written, is they're, they're following John the Baptist. Verse 35 to 39, John chapter 1. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus, and he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned 
saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. It's believed to be John and Andrew. What's their mindset? John points. John the Baptist points him out and says, there he goes, the Lamb of God. Changed everything. And what was their response? Where are you staying? Where are you going? I, don't, I want to go where you're going. I just want to be with you. I want to take up residence with you. And he says, come and you'll see. And what's great about that is they came. It's in the middle of the day. Part of the definition I love is the, to linger in expectation. It's not loitering in expectation. right? They're lingering. They're, they're, they're waiting. They're almost on the edge of their seat. They're like, what's going to happen next? Take up residence. linger in expectation is that our first thought in the morning is that continue to be our thoughts throughout the day to dwell in his presence and in his word and if not why what's getting between you and your time with the Lord I got a lot of excuses Consider praying about that, please. Seeking God first. It'll change some things in your life. And maybe you're doing well with your abiding and your seeking. Great. Awesome. Be on guard. Guard your prayer time. Don't get complacent. Look for those blind spots. The enemy is slick. I say it all the time. He knows how to get a foothold in your life when you least expect it. Your dwell time, fervent prayer, meditating on his word, relational. We know that this is what David was seeking. Uh, there's uh, to be close, pro- to be in close proximity. There's many times throughout the New Testament where Jesus was on the run, and what did he do? Time and again, he found time to dwell. And I have listed several scriptures. I'm not going to go through each one, but they're listed in your notes. But Jesus would pull away for intentional time with God. It was his custom to have that deep relational communication. What a perfect model. Mark for 135 points this out. One of many. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. This is the essence of our dwell theme, is it not? Now you have to put into your program what's best for you. Maybe it's not the morning. Or maybe maybe it's the uh, in the afternoon. That's between you and God. That's the model that Jesus laid out. But Jesus didn't work nights either at the hospital or other examples. That's between you and him. Please consider praying about that. Verse 5, For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. David's coming with an attitude of gratitude, no doubt. 
but he comes expectantly. And I think this is a shortfall for me personally. God is not a genie in a bottle. Does my will line up with his will? Is what I'm asking for truly something that God desires for my life? Come expectantly. David's got that throughout his life, starting all the way with Goliath. He came expecting. He had God on his side. It was done. Come expectantly in your prayer time, in your dwell time. Verses 6 and 7, prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. David is praying for blessing. He's praying for God's covering. He's praying for the coming of Jesus. Say what? He already knows. The line has been prophesied of him. Maybe not Jesus by name, but he knows that the Savior, the Messiah, is coming from his line. Who will reign forever? And David is trusting in his perfect will, his promises. 2 Samuel 7, 11-13 Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers. I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. He knows. And lastly, in verse 8, So I will ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. We see a very significant contrast between how this prayer started and how it finished. He began in a certain degree of desperation or concern. He literally is crying out to God. Faint, overwhelmed, And then through this prayer, his condition transformed to praise and honor. Recognizing that he has a responsibility to dwell day after day. And he makes that commitment. Let us be reminded that God keeps his promises. That he's created a covenant that will not be broken. How can we not seek him to fulfill that covenant? Why wait? For time's sake, I'm going to kind of move to the end here, but there is some, some there's a there's a song by Big Daddy Weave that I love called I'm Alive. It's in the notes, so you can check it out. But it just continues to talk about, but God, rich in mercy, came to save me. Strong and mighty, reached down so I could rise. Now I'm alive. Breathing in, breathing out, because I was in the grave, you called me out. That doesn't happen by accident. God is pursuing your whole heart. And when he does, and he gets a hold of it, you're alive. Do you feel alive? When you dwell. Thank you, Jesus. Every breath does count. It's a gift. We should live out in a thankful mode with our heart and mind and step with the Holy Spirit. Finding joy in the journey, not our circumstances, but in our relationship with the amazing giver of life. We're called to tell the world about this Christmas story. We're called to tell, of G- tell why Jesus came. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen to 20, time and again. It's not a suggestion. Go and make disciples. What does that look like? It's different for each of us. Go. So many times we want to wait until we hear from the Lord. Guess what? On that issue, it doesn't matter. He said, go.
Don't wait. The world needs Jesus more than ever. As we get ready to finish up and the worship team is coming up, remember this. The enemy wants to fill you with lies. He wants to put doubt in your mind. He doesn't want you to enjoy this time of celebrating Christ. He doesn't want you to take that dwell time and fully connect relationally with God. Don't believe it. Trust Him. He loves you. Stay close. Abide. Remain. And dwell. And if today you're stirred by what I said, by what the Lord brought forth, by the scriptures, and you have questions, why wait? Don't wait. Today's the day. If you're feeling like maybe you've let things slide, don't wait. Meet with myself or Pastor or Pastor Fred, anybody in leadership. We want to talk to you. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. It's just the beginning. If you have Jesus, there's no reason to wait. Lord bless you all. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.